Would you open up in your Bibles? We're going to begin over at Luke chapter 5. There was a man by the name of Jim who did like most dog owners do, let his dog out at nighttime to do his business. And he was watching some TV while the dog was out. And at the end of that, he remembered and went over to the door, opened the door, let the dog in. And in the mouth of the dog was his neighbor's cat and was dead. Well, he panicked. Here's this dead cat. He brought the cat in, scolded the dog, you know, bad dog, bad dog. <laughs> and tried to clean up the cat, get all the blood and the dirt off the cat. And I had to wash it four times to get all that dirt and, and stuff out. As he's blow-drying the white fur, getting it all to mat down real nice, he put the collar back on and it was dark. So he walked on over to his neighbor's porch and he laid the cat out on the front porch because he didn't have the heart to tell him that his dog killed the cat. The next day, he was walking on by and his neighbor saw him and he goes, Hey, Jim. And kind of nervously, Jim said, Hi. And his neighbor said, You know, something weird happened last night. He said, uh, We woke up this morning and our cat was on the porch. Dead. And he says, Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He said, Yeah, but that wasn't the weird part. The weird part was the digestion that we buried in the backyard. We hope to put some cats in the backyard today and make sure we leave them there buried. Nothing worse than digging up something and bringing it on back. Some of you have some aches and pains. We want to make sure that they stay buried. We're going to be looking at, now that I've received healing power, what am I supposed to do with it? In Luke chapter 5, in verse 17... You'll turn over there. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Who was the power of the Lord present to heal? Who? The sick. Who in particular is mentioned in this passage? I'll read it again. Now it happened on a certain day as he was teaching that there were Pharisees and teachers of the law sitting by who had come from every town of Galilee, Judea, and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, who had come from every town. Do you think they came from every town because they were critical? They came from every town probably because they were expecting something, right? Now this is early on in Jesus' ministry. They didn't know enough yet to hate Him. But the presence of the Lord was there to, present to heal them, right? Keep that in mind. Then behold, men brought, brought on the bed a man who was paralyzed when they sought to bring him and lay him before him. And when they could not find how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said to them, Man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees, who had probably come with great anticipation, whom the power of the Lord was present to heal, began to reason, saying, that was my insertion, by the way, Who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered and said to them, Why are you reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, he said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose up before them, took up what he had been 
lying on and departed to his own house glorifying God. And they were all amazed and they glorified God and were filled with fear saying, we have, ne- we have seen strange things today. After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi. The power of the Lord was there to heal them, right? The power of the Lord was there present to heal them. The, thems, some, at least some of the thems that were there were Pharisees and Sadducees. At the time that the Scripture mentions the power of the Lord was present to heal them, was the paralyzed man in the room. So the power of the Lord didn't show up to heal the paralyzed man, did it? The power of the Lord was already present to heal. The man just showed up while the power was already there. Now, I want you to take note of this. The power of the Lord was present to heal them. Is them... How many is them? It's more than one, isn't it? When we get through this story, how many are healed? In this story, that's just why I read the next verse. You didn't really have that written down. It may not have gone up on the screen. But that's why I read the next verse. Because then it just goes on the rest of the story. How many people got healed that we know of in this meeting? So the power of the Lord was present to heal them, but only healed Him. Only healed one. But the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Would you not take from that passage that the expectation was that the power of the Lord would show up and heal more than one person? That's what I would take from that. That more than one person was intended to be healed here. That the power of the Lord showed up for that, but something happened. So the power of the Lord was present to heal them. And as we said, was the paralyzed man in the meeting? Mm, No, he was not. In the end, we only know of him that was healed, not of them. There was no them. Mark chapter 5. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, so she had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. And when she heard about Jesus, she came from behind the crowd and touched His garment. For she said, If only I may touch His clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood dried up. She felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in Himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude throng you, and you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see who had done this thing, but the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Was the power of the Lord present to heal? Was Now don't answer this, just think and answer. Was the power of the Lord present to heal her? Or was the power of the Lord present to heal? Jesus didn't even know who the her was. If the power of the Lord was present to heal her, don't you think Jesus would have known about it? Do you think He would have been turning around the crowd saying, Who touched me? So the power of the Lord was present to heal, but again only one person got healed. Could others have gotten healed? I would have thought that they certainly could have. Well, would Jesus have intended to do any mighty work without the power of God being present? Would that be a mighty work in what she did? Turn over to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Then he went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogues, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what 
wisdom as this which is given to him, and such mighty works are performed by his hands. Is, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, and, and Judas, and Simon? Are there not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. And he could do no mighty work there except that he had laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. Then he went about the villages in a circuit teaching. Was the power of the Lord present to heal? Well, it says he could do no mighty work. Could he have done a mighty work without the power of God present? So apparently the power of God must have been present because the reason that he could not do it was not because it wasn't possible or the power of God wasn't there. The reason he couldn't do it was people shut it down because of their unbelief, not because of a lack of its presence. So here we have a meeting. The power of God is present to heal and he could do there no mighty work. We had another meeting where the power of God was present to heal, even Sadducees and Pharisees. And only one person gets healed. And that person wasn't even in the meeting when the power of the Lord was said to be there. Isn't that interesting? Now, we told you before in the first time we looked at this, unbelief is the rejection of truth. Unbelief is the rejection of truth. When you hear truth and you reject it. Did we see the rejection of truth from the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the first story? Did we see the rejection of truth when Jesus went to His hometown? Certainly we did. We're seeing these things go on. The healing power of God. This is what I want you to get from all this. The healing power of God can be present alongside of people who do not get well. The healing power of God can be present alongside of people who do not get well. People getting healed, people becoming well, does not represent the power of God. The power of God can be present and no one get well. Or one person get well. Because we just saw some episodes here where Jesus is the minister. He's the guy. The anointing of God's on Him. We told you two weeks ago when we got into this, when you get hands laid on you, prayers made for you, so forth, that it's not healing manifestation that gets shows up in your body. It is healing power. Healing power. That's what comes into you. Brother Hagen used to teach us all the time. Got one email from someone who said they got reminded about that. But Brother Hagen used to teach us all the time that when he would go out there and lay hands on people, he says, now when I lay hands, my hands upon you, power will go out to you. Power will go out to you. Now what you do with the power is up to you. We've got to know what to do with that power. We've got to make sure that we take that power and do the right thing with it. I heard one person say that if people knew about the laws that govern the operation of the healing power of God, they would never get out of love or fall into strife and unforgiveness. Let me say that one to you again. If people knew about the laws that govern the operation of the healing power of God, they would never get out of love or fall into strife and unforgiveness. If you understand the healing power, the laws that govern the healing power of God, you understand it. You can get healed in any meeting you are ever in. Now, you all want me to prove that to you, don't you? Put this in your outline. Once the healing power of God has come upon me, I need to direct it. The woman with the issue of blood had laid a direction that when I touched the hem of His garment, this is what's going to happen. 
And she laid that out. She had that expectation. You have got to come with the expectation of what that power is going to do. You have got, when I, when I have hands laid on me, when they speak the name of Jesus over me, this is what's going to happen. And you have that expectation. Sometimes people come up, I don't know, just lay your hands on me, hopefully something good will come out of it. Hopefully something will happen. They're not deploying the power of God. They are not directing the power of God anywhere and they go away from there and, and, and what's happened? Electricity is only good because we can direct it into our homes where you want it to go. You can direct it to your radio. You can direct it to your blender. You can direct it to your oven. You can direct it to your TV. If you can't direct it to these things, it's no good. You can have all the electricity in the world. It's no good if you can't direct it. You've got to direct the power of God and then not move it off from there. The woman in the... As we said in Mark 5, she directed it. She said, this is what is going to happen. This is where it's going to go. This is the direction it will take. The centurion did the same thing over in Matthew chapter 8. He said, I'm a man under authority just like you are. All you got to do is say the word. If you do that, the power will flow this way. He stated how that power is going to flow, what it was going to do. The genuine statements of your mouth and expectation of your heart lay a path of faith for the power of God to follow. But you got to make sure that they're genuine. There are some people that are saying things with their mouth they don't believe in their heart. They hope, but they don't really believe it. That woman heard about Jesus. When she heard about Jesus, she said, oh, this can happen this way. If I just do this, it's all genuine belief. And because of that genuine belief, she had a genuine statement. If I just touch the hem of His garment, I know I will be made whole. I know that will do it. You've got to have that. You make that gen, you, you, as we were talking about during the week, you lay the, you lay the wiring. Lay that wiring down. This is where the power of God is going to go. I don't need to know exactly what's wrong in my body. The woman with the issue of blood didn't need to know what the cause of that thing was. Apparently doctors couldn't get at the cause or couldn't get at the cure. But, you know, doctors couldn't be of any help. She didn't need to know what all the cause of the thing was. She just needed to know that how to direct that power of God into our body. That's all. You may be suffering from headaches. You don't have to necessarily know the cause of that thing. Sometimes we get into teaching, well, once you know the cause, then you speak to that cause. You find out what that cause is. You don't necessarily need to know the cause. You just need to know that it hurts. And I want to get rid of it. You're not understanding the laws of healing. You've got to understand the laws of healing. As you understand what laws govern the power of God to heal, you can get healed in any situation you're in. But you've got to understand the laws of it. We were listening to a tape a lot of tapes. We listened to one whole series on the way down to uh, Virginia and one whole series on the way back. Love traveling. And we were listening to Brother Hagen talk about a certain service he was in and it was kind of dead. Not a whole lot of life there. And the devil was telling him, you know, just end this thing. Just cut, it, cut the service, end it now, and just pick it up tomorrow. They're all wore out. Just go on off and do that. And he just got mad. He's not going to let the devil dictate his meeting. So he just said, nope, I'm not going to do that. And he made a statement. He said, the first person who gets on down here will get healed in their body. He understood how to operate in the laws that govern healing. And he made that statement because he understood how to operate in those laws. And he, his expectation was, he said, surely someone with a headache or something like that could come on down there first. But it wasn't. It was something, something, something much more severe. But glory to God, God moved. They got healed. The next thing happened is someone else got filled and then the whole place just broke loose. And they had service. But it was a pretty dry service, he said, up till then. Not much had been going on. Turn over to Luke chapter 4. 
We're going to look at verse 16. Luke chapter 4, verse 16. Told you we'd take you to a... The service didn't seem to have a whole lot of anointing on it. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. Now, of course, he's rewording this. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set off liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He's wording this as for himself. As he says right here, Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him, and he began to say to them, Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, we've told you before in this, he cuts this prophecy off halfway. This prophecy talks about all the ministry of Messiah, and he cuts off the first half of it. They were expecting him to go off and finish it, and he didn't. He stopped. Because the rest of it wouldn't be fulfilled in their, their hearing. But this one was. This was being fulfilled in their hearing. So he bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, You will surely say that this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, so do here in your country. And he said, As surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months. There was a great famine throughout all the land, but to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elisha the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with glory and praise for God. No, they were filled with what? wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Now don't think they're leading him by saying, well, come on over this way, Jesus. They threw him out forcibly. They're probably leading him by dragging him there. Then very unceremoniously, it just says, then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. That's just miraculous. you got a group that's so, so mad at you, they're dragging you up to the hill of their city and they're going to throw you off of it. And then you just walk through them. Isn't that amazing? But here you got a service, normal service. Jesus reads from the scroll like they usually would read from the scroll. And He's telling them, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set, all, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. At that point, sick people should have been coming on up. I'm ready! And they could have had service. But they didn't sense any particular anointing on the place. They were all mad at what He said. Just like in the first one. The Pharisees and Sadducees were all there. Power of the Lord is present to heal. They're all there with great expectation coming from great cities far away. Or at least they had to travel a distance. Anyway, they had to walk there. It wasn't like you get in the car and drive 20 miles. They had to walk there. And they get there, they're all excited. And Jesus makes one statement. Your sins are forgiven. And they all get offended. And they shut themselves off from hearing, from receiving the power of God. But He said, I like what He says in this. That's really something I want us to, to focus on. 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Isn't that something? Now, if I were to come on out here with you and I were to find someone and I have a package, this particular package is addressed to me. But if I were to take this package and say that the UPS guy, FedEx guy, came up to deliver this to me and I refused it. And so he just decided to cross my name out on that and write Kevin Martin. And he comes on over and he gives it to Kevin. Yeah. And now, Kevin's got the package. How many of y'all like carrying packages around? I mean, it gets to be a little bit... I mean, it's alright. You like to get packages really and sit down and open them and take the contents of it out, but we carry packages around. When we carry sickness and disease around, folks, it's like carrying a burden. And He has been sent to set free the captives. You know, if you've got this package and you're carrying this package around, you can't play volleyball. <laughs> you can't get on airplanes. <laughs> you can't always you can't always do things like that. You're you're going to be restricted. You can't go run a few miles carrying a package like that. It's going to get in your way. But there are many people who have diseases, aches and pains. Their their joints hurt. Their head hurts. Their neck hurts. Their back hurts. Their muscle hurts. We can keep on going on, right? This hurts. This hurts. Is that not a burden to carry around? And we have, a, we have gotten to a point where we have said, well, I guess I just have to carry some of that. Some people have even said to God, God, if you can just take half of the things away. I'll bear the other half. Can you just take half of them away? They're not understanding their God. He came not to set partially free. He came to set the captives free. To get them taken care of. To get them going. Now, if I can, I would borrow one of the other ladies' purses, but I'm going to borrow my wife's purse. If I can borrow your purse. We used to have classes with guys. And how many guys have been in the mall and your wife asked you to hold the purse? <laughs> now, there are certain ways, guys, that you hold a purse. You have to hold it in such a way as to make a statement, this is not mine. <laughs> I am just holding this for someone. So you make sure you hold it in ways that, that people can tell. I'm just, I'm just holding this. This isn't mine. It needs to say that. Because if you're sitting here like this, that doesn't say this isn't mine. It says it is mine. And certainly, you know, if you... But you see... <laughs> now my preference is not to hold a purse at all I'd rather not even carry one there is no way in this world you will get me to carry a man purse I don't care what name you put on it 
They just they take these things and suppose somehow they make them more manly. They just don't look manly. Women, they look fine on you. You all can have the purse. I don't want one. But you know where in our holding is now. This is holding a purse. All right. This is carrying a purse. And this is being attached to the purse. Some people have become attached to their sickness and disease. Some people are merely carrying their sicknesses and disease. There's other people that are merely holding their sickness and disease. And generally, you can tell by the way they talk. You can tell by the way they talk. It's not just the way that they say the words or the, the words that they say. It's the way that they say them. And sometimes God will just give you insight on some folks and that, that they're saying it in such a way that this person's attached. This person's carrying it. This person's just, just, just holding it. Now, what's the difference in all that? And, uh, well, first off, we're going to go over the attached part and show you what that is. Is there a gentleman in here who let me use their wallet? You'll get it back eventually. And I promise I won't go through it. But is there a gentleman here who let me use their wallet? All right, there we go. Now, this is Kevin's wallet. Kevin's wallet is different from my wallet. Probably different from Bob's wallet. We all have wallets. We, we go to the store. We find one. We don't spend a whole lot of time, ladies, finding a wallet. Really, all we care about is, can it hold all the stuff I want, and will it be as small as possible? Look at that. This is nice. I, I, I may keep this one. I like this one. <laughs> but, but you see, this, this is what we'll carry. Now... This, no one else here is attached to this wallet except for Kevin. I am holding this wallet right now, but I'm not attached to it. The reason that he's attached to it is he knows where the money is in here, how much money it is. He has the cards. His name is on the cards. His signature will make those cards work. So if I were to carry this away, the one person in this room who would be extremely careful to watch me as to where I put it is... Because he is attached. Now, I could take this wallet and I could put it up over here on the pulpit. In fact, I may even just put it down there where you can't see it. If I were to leave that there for the rest of this service, every single one of you would get up from your chairs and eventually walk out the door and never think about the wallet. Except for one person. Who's going to be thinking about it the most? Kevin. I have separated him from the wallet, but I have not separated the attachment between him and the wallet. He is still very attached to that wallet. It has stuff that is valuable to him. It has stuff that's important to him. He's attached to that. Just like you ladies. You have a, you have a purse. You have a lot of things that are important in that purse, including your wallet and some other things. But sometimes you put the purse down. How many of you put the purse down can't figure out where you put it? You got your keys in the purse. You got your wallet in the purse. Some of you have makeup in the purse. Mirrors in the purse. Pens in the purse. No paper in the purse. What else? I don't know what else you put in the purse. I'm just guessing. Glasses. Kitchen sink. Breath mitts. Stuff like that. You have a lot of things that you... That, and they're all important to you. If you were to get someone else's purse, you're not so concerned about their purse, but you are concerned about... Yours. You have an attachment to that purse. Your husband may have 
somewhat of an attachment because he is concerned if your credit cards and such things get lost. But he's still only carrying. Thank you very much. He's still only carrying that purse for you. He's not attached to it. But you become attached to it. Sometimes people become attached to their sickness and disease. They become attached to it. And you can hear by the way they talk about it. Well, my headaches have just been so bad this weekend. Oh, my, my legs, oh, they have been so sore. I mean, last week they were sore, but this week, oh, they have. And we're just talking about these things. And if we don't have them to talk about, I've told you the story before. Not all older people, but a lot of older people love talking about sickness and disease. They've even done commercials on this. They get on down there and, and talk about their, sick, their thing that hurts here and this hurts. And half the conversations are about their sicknesses and diseases. Well, if they don't have sicknesses and diseases, they don't have anything to talk about. You get them healed and, and what are they, they lost their conversation. So what do they fall back into? Talking about their sickness and disease. Well, I'm not feeling that right now, but I expect by tomorrow. <laughs> and if they don't say that out in their mouth, they're thinking in their head. Well, I didn't have a headache yesterday, but I've never gone two days. I'm, I'm grateful for the one day. Thank God I got healed and got one day of pain free. But I've never had two days and they're thinking this on the inside. Why? Because they're attached to that disease. But Jesus came to proclaim liberty. To set you free. That you aren't held under the bondage of these things anymore. Look at that passage again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. You think that woman with the issue of blood was going... Away from there? Well, maybe tomorrow it'll start up again. I didn't get that from the way she was talking. We've got to make sure that the thing is good. That we're not attached to it. Now, sometimes people can say, you know, I've had some people and I've tried to talk, on, talk to them on this line. They say, well, I'm just trying to tell you what I'm, what I'm going through. Glory to God, tell me. You know, you come on up and you want to get healed or something. Blind Bartimaeus, what do you have to say? I'm blind, I want to see. But you can talk about being blind and not have it be attached to you. And you can talk about being blind and have things attached to you. You've got to first off make sure that you sever the attachment between you and the thing you want to get rid of. And then you sever it in your conversation. Stop talking about it so much. Stop giving life to that thing. Don't give life to your sickness and disease. Don't speak all the kind of stuff into it. You want it to be dead. You want it to die. You want it to be killed. Don't have... Don't have a... Think of it this way. Ladies, if you are in a room and there's no husband, no son around and a bug, a little roach crawls over the cross of the room and there is no other... You either live with that bug or you go over there and you stomp on that bug. Do you go over there and just, just squish it a little bit? What do you do? I mean, you go up there and you stomp on that. That bug becomes part of the floor. You stomp on that. That, that thing's long since dead and you're still 
right? You're, you want that thing, you don't want that thing going all, around at all. Now, if a guy goes up and kills a bug, it's just like, I mean, that's it. You just, yeah, he's dead. A lot of times we just walk away. That's it. He's dead. Or he's don't, we don't care. Now, not all guys are like that, and not all ladies are, are like that either. I understand that, but generally, generally, most ladies do not like bugs, and most guys can care less if they're in their life. They just, you know, it's something. You stomp on it and kill it. I want you to think of your sickness and disease as you would that bug. I want you to stomp on it. Stomp on it until every ounce of life is out. And if you see anything move, do you stop and think, well, I wonder if it's dead. No. You stomp some more. It may just be moving because it's decompressing from being smushed into the floor. But that's movement. And you don't want movement. Any movement signals to you life. I don't want life in that bug. I want that thing to be dead. Kill it. Get it done. Get it over with. Jesus has come to proclaim liberty to the captives. That sickness and disease, folks, has held you captive. It's about time you got free of it. It's held you captive. Don't let it hold you captive anymore. You stump on that. You don't have mercy. You stump on that thing. You say, ah, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to take that thing out. What was it in the NBA Finals? I didn't watch the NBA Finals. But I heard something about the NBA Finals that the team won by 35 points. Last game of the thing. Boston beat Lakers by 35 points in the, in the last game. But I heard a game before that that the Lakers had a game where they were up by 21 points in the first quarter. 21 point lead after 15 minutes of play. That's pretty good. It's good just to score 21 points. But to have a 21 point lead and they lost the game. They didn't stomp until all the life was out. They let them back in. You got to take a look at that sickness and disease and you got to say, I am not going to let any life get in you at all. I'm going to speak death to you. I'm going to speak life to my body. And every time that somebody calls you up on the phone, says, how are those headaches doing? And you want to, out of your mouth, wants to come something that would give life to those headaches. You say, my headaches are dead in the name of Jesus or something along those lines. I am dead to those headaches. I don't really care how those headaches are doing. I hope they all die. I hope they shrivel up and you just pronounce all kinds. Those things are not attached to you anymore. I am, they, I am broken over that. I have been set free. I have been set at liberty. And I've got to do that by the way I direct the power of God into me. Well, if we're going to maintain the power to heal in us, I wrote this in your outline, the more I see something as mine, the harder it, harder it is to release it. The more I see something as mine, the harder it is to release it. How many of you have ever owned something for a long time? Maybe a house. How many of you lived in a house for a long time and you had a hard time seeing that go? Mom and dad, you know, you lived in a house with mom and dad for a long time and then mom and dad, once everybody's gone, sold the house. How many of you, that was a hard thing? How many of you had a car for a long time? A car you liked for a long time? I, had, I told you before, I had the pro for 18 years. That car got to be a part of me. That was a long time to have a car. Loved that car. Still love that car. That car still has a hold on me. 
still sometimes just sit there dreaming about driving on that stick shift down those roads and hitting those curves. Now I have this truck. I had this truck now 10 years. been driving that. My wife tells me sometimes, why don't you take my car? I don't want to. I take mine. You know why? I'm comfortable in mine. It's my car. My truck. All my stuff is in there. All my dirt is in there. It's not somebody else's dirt. It's my dirt. I put it in there. It's my dirt. It's my stuff. If I want something that's there, it's my car. It's in there. If she wants something, her, her car has her stuff. My car has my stuff. I get in mine. I don't have to work. Well, did I switch this over? Did I, nope. It's all right there. A couple of things I keep in my truck all the time. First off, keep the Home Depot card. You never know when you might need some wood. You just never know. The emergency comes up. I mean, somebody can call up and order a bunk bed and I don't have the wood for that and I have to stop by. And if you stop by to get some wood, they might have a whole lot of good wood and you, you, you buy good wood when you can find it. So you go out there and you get it. You just never know. So you've got to be prepared for these kind of things. You've got to be ready. So in your, in your vehicle, there's a certain things you always keep. How many of y'all keep $10 buried somewhere inside your car? I do. I always keep some cash money. It's buried somewhere in there. So that way I can. I always have cash. If I leave without my wallet, I've got $10 on me. Somewhere in there it is. Now, if I use that up, I have to make sure I replace it. But somewhere, because you know, you leave home without your wallet. Ever left home without your wallet? Sure. So at least you got something. That, that helps you out. But that's yours. That's yours. So the more I see something as mine, the harder it is to release it. I can feel drawn to it. I can miss it. I'm comfortable in it. I can take time. I can take time to get used to something different. But you know, you got to take that time. You get you get rid of one car and you get into the new car. It drives different. It feels different when you're sitting in. Now it's a new car. It's kind of fun because it's a new car, but it doesn't behave the way your other one did. And you got to get used to the way this one does. You get a new house. It's not like your old house. It doesn't have all the memories and have all that stuff. Now it might be nicer than your old house, but it's not the same. And you got to get used to it. You got to make new memories there. You got to fix up the yard and fix up the decorating and paint the house the way that you want it to be painted and all these things. It takes some time to, to get all that used to it. You have to get used to a healed body same way you got used to a sick one. You got to get yourself unattached from that sickness. You got to make that sickness, make sure I'm not attached to that sickness. I'm not carrying that sickness. That sickness may be here, but it isn't, it's not mine. It's not my headaches. It's not my pain. It's not my aches. They don't belong to me. And I got to get myself so that I see it that way. Because when the power of God comes into me to heal, and I've set the path, here's the direction, here's the place that I want it to go. How many of you like following paths? Aren't you glad? I mean, this is one good thing about tax dollars. It makes roads. Isn't it easier to follow roads? And if you're going to get from one place to another, to follow routes, you know, follow an interstate, follow it's, it's it's just nice to find those things. When you don't have it, it's tougher to get there. You got to lay down paths that you want the power of God to go into. I got to establish things. I got to make sure that these things that it's going to set me at liberty over, I'm unattached to. If I have maintained my attachment to sickness, to disease, to pains. If I maintain those attachments and then He's supposed to come in and proclaim liberty and set me at liberty to these things by the power of God that comes into me, but I don't 
I haven't declared the liberty here. I'm still attached to it. Those headaches are still a part of my life. I'm still doing things according to how I see myself. That's going to affect me, folks. You've got to live a certain way. You've got to have paths that you can follow. Because it's a whole lot easier to get there with that. My son and I, we went hiking up the woods. And we were going just up a mountain when we were down there in Virginia. And we would look around. Where are their paths? And we would follow the path. But after a while, we, we couldn't follow a path. And we'd just, just brush. Just brush. And I'd tell him, turn to him, do you see a way? And he'd look over that way. I'd look over this way. And sometimes we just couldn't see a way. So we just had to go through the brush. Just to get over there. Sometimes we're on our hands and knees getting under stuff. We're walking over top of stuff. We're just trying to get through the brush. And then we find, oh, there, there's a path over here. And we get on the path and we walk a whole lot easier walking in the woods in a path. But then you hit brush. And it's tougher to get through. It's hard to, Sometimes we've, we've made obstacles for the power of God. We've set up a whole lot of brush in the way. I'm attached to this thing. I like this thing. I like the attention that my aches and pains give me. I like, uh, I'm just used to that being a part of my life. You've got to get unused to it. You've got to become unattached to it. Because the power of God comes upon you to set you at liberty from these things. And you better be ready to be at liberty. There are some people who have been disabled, aren't working, and they've got disability and such thing. And they coming up to get healed. Have they set themselves at liberty from the mentality of being disabled? You know what that's going to mean? I can go to work now. Glory to God. Well, maybe they're attached to, I like being at home. I like that paycheck coming and I'm at home. Some people have become attached to that. Not all people that are disabled like that. Some people say, I want to get back to work. I want to get back to work. You've got to have that mentality. You've got to be ready to walk as one who is set free. Walk as one who is in liberty. Don't have the disease. Don't have the sickness. You've been said to be proclaimed at liberty from the thing. Walk at liberty of the thing. Now, how many right now would say that in your body is something that I need to get healed of. It's been bothering you. That's not something that's just been bothering you for a week. You know, I got a cold or something like that. I sore throat. I'm talking about something that has been going on for years. Some people. All right. You have got to set your mind first off to be at liberty from that thing. Make the path. Just like the woman did with the issue of blood. She made her path. I am going to be at liberty from this thing. This thing... That power of God is going to come upon me and I'm going to be set free. You've got to see yourself set free. You've got to set yourself free from what the doctors have told you. How many people, the doctors have told you, this will be around with you for a long time. This is the way it's going to be. You won't be able to do that anymore. You can't do this and you can't do that and you can't go there. You're just going to have to always be this way. Always be careful here. Always be watchful. How many have been told stuff like that by doctors? You've got to set yourself free. You've got to get your mindset to the point that I'm, I'm not listening to that one. I'm not listening. I'm listening to what my Father God said. My Father God, I said He came to set free the captives. That's what He came to do. And that power that He got, got put on everybody else. And when I received power for healing, it's going to be to set me free. I'm going to be set free from my sickness and disease. I'm going to be set free from this thing. And that's how you've got to deal with that. But even when you, you get the flu, the cold, something like that comes in on you, you've got to set yourself free from that mentality. Well, I guess it'll be here for a couple of days. So I guess for the next couple of days, I ought to be careful about what I do. 
I better not do this. I was going to go work out. I better not go work out. That's not real good for me when I have a cold. See, I, I put myself in bondage to the thing because of all the times that I've had the cold before, all the times that I've had the flu before. I've got to set my mind. I'm going to be set free from this. I'm not walking this way. I'm not doing this thing. I'm not going that direction. I am set free. Talk yourself into believing that. But get yourself to believe it. You've been talking yourself into doubting it. You've been talking yourself into... I mean, every time you go out there and you do that thing and... Oh, oh well, I guess I just... I thought maybe... I thought the power of God came on me and healed me. And that, oh, I guess it... I guess it's not quite done yet. you got to resist that. you got to keep speaking to it. See, that power of God came into your body and you got to keep directing it. That headache wants to come back. That pain in the joint wants to come back. That pain in the muscle wants to come back. That pain in your body, pain in your neck, pain in your back, whatever it might be. That pain comes back. As soon as you do that thing, what do you do? In the name of Jesus, I've been set free from that pain. See, I'm not shutting off the power. The power is in me. It's at work in me. I'm not shutting it down. I am free of that. I am walking free. I, that's, you're not getting a hold of me with that. You're not getting me to think on those things. I am set free. You've got to begin to talk that way and begin to do it. Now, you do have to be careful. I heard one guy went to the doctor. He's getting his uh, knees checked out. Then I think he had uh, some kind of infection and they drained the thing out, drained all that stuff out. He says, uh, now do this and this and this will rehab it. And so he's going to do all that. He says, Doc, will I be able to run five miles when I get this rehab all done? He says, yeah, well, I guess no problem. He says, good, because I never could run five miles before. <laughs> I say, you couldn't do something before. It doesn't mean you're going to necessarily do it now unless you want to work up to it. But you can work up to it. You can get that thing going. But so you've got to get that mind frame. People are so... Once the disease gets on them, the devil keeps telling them in their ears, you're always going to be this way. It's always going to have this. And you've got to get up and you've got to say, No! It isn't going to be that way. Body, you get in line. You will work this way. You will do this thing. You will go this way. I didn't tell... You become the boss. As uh, Noel put it last week, Dom, dominate your dirt. That's his way of putting it. That's a good way to put it. But you've got to get up and you've got to tell that to your body. I have received healing power. So when healing power comes upon me, I've received healing power. I am healed from that thing. I am not bothered by that. Headaches are not going to keep waking me up. Headaches are not going to keep me up at nighttime. Headaches are not going to bother me during the daytime. I'm going to be able to eat these foods. I'm going to be able to, if you want to. I'm going to be able to do this thing if you want to. If you don't want to, then don't do it. But if you want to, you ought to be able to go out there and do it. Because you've been set free. And you've got to make sure you're set free. Now, husbands and wives, you hear your spouse talking in such a way that they're giving life to their disease, to their affliction, to the thing they've been set free on, you better get in their face. Stop giving life to the thing. Kill it. Stomp on it. Get rid of it. Kill it like you would a bug. Squash that sucker. Make him part of the cement. You don't want to give that thing any life at all. You don't speak life to it. You don't think life to it. And you certainly don't believe life in it. You believe life in your body. Life in your body. My body is healed. The power of God came on me in such and such a time. I've received healing. 
And the devil will say, but you don't feel like that power is in you now, do you? It don't matter. You can have hands laid on you and some people may feel the power of God go in them and some people won't feel a thing. Does the Word of God say that you received it when you feel it? It says you received it when you believed it. You believe it. Then you walk off in a way that you believe that. And that's what you do. And you keep maintaining it. First off, you set those paths. What's going to happen when the Spirit of God, when that power is, comes into you? What's it going to do for you? What is the power of God going to do? You don't need to know what vertebrae are damaged. You don't need to know what the cause of your headache is. You just need to know what the power of God is going to do. It's going to stop me from getting headaches. It's going to stop me from getting back pain. It's going to stop me from getting this. It's going to stop me from getting that. This is going to go away. This is going to stop. Just like the woman did. That's what you got to do. You set that path. And then once it's in there, you don't stop it. You keep it going. Every time your body wants to remind you. And you know your body likes to. You tell your body, uh-uh. Nope, body, you're healed. Body, the Word of God says, power came into my body. Power for healing. And the ministry of Jesus is to set free the captives. I've been, I've been set free. I'm not going to be captive anymore. First off, know the difference between what you have and what you're supposed to have. A whole lot of folks are getting who have things, but they don't know what they're supposed to have. They know they have headaches, but they don't know what they're supposed to have. Maybe I'm supposed to carry some headaches. Maybe it's here to keep me humble. No, it's not. Know the difference between what you have and what you're supposed to have. It's easier to go back to what you had than to possess what you are given. It is easier to go back to what you had than to possess what you are given. Greatest example of that in the Word of God is Israel. How many times did they want to go back to what they had in Egypt instead of going forward to what they could possess? But going back is a whole lot easier and some folks are much more willing to go back to what they know they can have than to press forward for what they're supposed to have. You're supposed to have an inheritance. You're supposed to have a healed body. You've got to change the way you think. You've got to change the way you talk. Because some of the way you've been talking, you've been given life to your sickness and disease. Don't give life to it anymore. Get in line with the Word of God. Every time that thing affects you, you stand up and say, Uh-uh, not in my body. My body is healed. The power of God came upon me and you know when it was. Write it down. When you got hands laid on you, when the power of God entered you for that thing, write down what you said that power of God was going to do. And you go back to it. This is what it said. This is what's going to happen. This is what's going to go on. Set yourself free from that bondage. You are not made to be held in bondage by anything. Understand what that means. You are not held to be in, you are not made to be held in bondage by anything. You are in charge. Your spirit man. How many times has your body been tired? And you say, well, I guess I just need to get some sleep. You are not held. You are not made to be held in bondage to sleep. Now, don't go over there and say, well, I guess I'll just stay up 24 hours. I'll just stay up all the time. We're going to get into some areas because your body was made a certain way. 
you are not called to abuse your body either. You've got to know what your body was made to do. Jesus slept. Jesus slept, you ought to too. But you're not held in bondage to it. You're not, you don't have to be held in bondage to anything. You don't have to sign for the package of depression, sadness, gloom, despair, none of those things. You don't have to sign for that. And it all wants to come knocking. And it all wants to come your way with your name on it. Somebody else wouldn't take it, so they scratched out their name, put your name on it. Oh, a nice pretty package. I wonder what's in it. Nope. You say no to the thing. You take what's in the Word of God. You know what you're supposed to have. The only way you're going to know what you're supposed to have, folks, you've got to study. It does no good for you that I know what you're supposed to have. It does no good for you that your prayer partner knows what you're supposed to have. You need to know. What am I supposed to have? What am I not supposed to have? What am I going for? I've got to know it. I've got to study it out. And I've got to say, I'm not held in bondage by this thing. I'm set free. I'm set free. Did you notice that when Jesus ran into a group of people and they all wanted to disbelieve, what did He go around and do? Taught them. He taught them. You can get out of that kind of unbelief. You can get out of that kind of disbelieving. You can recover from it. Jesus went around and taught them. If He didn't think it would help, He wouldn't have done it. He would have just left. He's trying to help them out. Set yourself free. Get yourself in that mentality. I am set free. And when that power comes into me, you make sure that first off, you have directed it. Don't ever get thrown into a prayer line. And don't be one of those prayer buddies who tries to drag somebody out of the island. Dwight, you need to get prayer for this. Come on, come on, come on. I won't do him any good. Dwight needs to make the statement. When, the, when hands are laid on me, when the name of Jesus is declared over me, this is what's going to happen. When he makes that declaration, when hands are laid on him, power will go out and do that. Just because he got prayer didn't mean it would happen. Like we said, you can be in the presence of the healing power of God and get nothing. An awful lot of times, people, we've been thinking, it's not. maybe today it's my name. My name gets pulled out of the hat. <laughs> maybe today Jesus feels good about me and decides to heal me. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with me accessing that power. Me doing the right things. All those people thronging Jesus. One lady got healed. Power of God present to heal. Pharisees and Sadducees. Even. The one man who wasn't even in the meeting when it started. He's late. He gets healed. The power of God is present to heal. You just tap into that power. And you tell that power where it's going to go. And from that point on, folks, you maintain that power. That power of God went into me, healed my body, set me free. Glory to God. Just stand up. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your power. That Your power goes out into us to set free the captives, to heal, recovery of sight to the blind, whatever it is that's going on. That's what that power will do. Father, we thank You that that power... This week, many of us have had hands laid on us. The power of God has gone into us. For the purpose, we thank You for it. We thank You that we have set that purpose and we won't change it. 
We're going to maintain that purpose from the moment we had hands laid on us. We didn't have to feel the power to know that it came in us. Because the Word of God says that when this happens, this is what will go on. When hands are laid on me, when the name of Jesus is spoken over me, power goes out. Healing power into my body to accomplish what I need. Thank you. Father God, we give you glory and praise for it.